From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. The Sitka Police Department is investigating an explosive device found near Blue Lake. Sitka Police Department Lieutenant John Achi has more. On August 8, 2022, the Sitka Police Department received a call from the Water Department stating that during the weekly dam inspections, they located a ruptured 55-gallon drum that contained waste oil on the shore of Blue Lake near the boat launch area. Upon investigation, it was determined that some type of an improvised explosive device, IED, was set off inside the drum, resulting in an explosion and the contents of the drum leaking into the ground near the drinking water reservoir. Due to an IED being used in the proximity to public utilities and potable water source, federal law enforcement will be involved in the investigation. Anyone with information regarding the criminal mischief at Blue Lake is asked to call the Sitka Police Department at 907-747-3245 or the anonymous crime line at 907-747-8980. Sitka Police Lieutenant John Atchie. The Alaska Department of Corrections says a man being held at an Anchorage prison has died. The department says 34-year-old Austin Earl Wilson was pronounced dead on Friday at the Anchorage Correctional Complex. The department says no foul play is suspected in his death. Wilson is the seventh person to die in the department's custody this year. A cause of death was not provided. In late July, the department reported the death of 91-year-old James Patrick Wheeler at the Goose Creek Correctional Center. The department says Wheeler had been in its custody since 1993 and was serving a sentence in a murder case. Wheeler's was the sixth death in a department's custody this year. The Juneau School Board meets tonight, and on the agenda is a discussion on current COVID mitigation within schools. One item up for introduction and final approval is to consider whether to continue the COVID testing requirement for unvaccinated staff. School Board President Elizabeth Sidden spoke to that while on Action Line. When the board put this testing requirement in place uh, towards the beginning of uh, last school year, maybe just prior to the beginning of the school year, the requirement... um, was mandatory for unvaccinated staff, and vaccinated staff uh, retained the option to participate in the testing program as well throughout the year. Um, And so with the sort of landscape of COVID changing and uh, uh, rates of infection between vaccinated and unvaccinated shifting, uh, we're considering uh, changes to that testing requirement as well. Sidden said that a work session that is scheduled for 4.30 will broadly take up the topic of COVID mitigation. In that work session, we'll be discussing as a board sort of all things COVID mitigation related, including uh, welcoming in-person public participation at our board meetings again, uh, as well as all uh, COVID mitigations for the school district for the upcoming school year. An item up for introduction is a proposal to increase substitute pay. It was spurred by the shortage of subs. It has been one of the harder sort of burdens of of coming through COVID is that we don't have um, substitutes in our buildings at the level that that we need them if staff are out sick or uh, needing had been needing to quarantine. So um, we had asked the administration to consider ways to increase. Um, interest in people being substitutes in our buildings. We offered a um, like a signing bonus last spring 
that uh, was an effective strategy to uh, encourage more people to substitute. And this uh, proposal in front of us to increase their pay uh, is another strategy that that we'll consider. The proposal increases the subpay for those with a high school diploma to $20 an hour and those with a college degree to $25 an hour. This is a, a subsidy that is being covered right now out of our CARES Act COVID funds uh, and will sunset uh, in the when CARES Act money sunsets as well at the end of uh, FY24. And so we will need to, as a board, decide in our, in our operating fund budget process uh, if we can find our operating fund dollars to cover that subsidy uh, when we go through the budget process in March. Other items to be introduced include the six-year capital improvement list and resolutions for the statewide school board conference later this year. Approval of the superintendent's contract is up for final consideration. The full meeting begins at 6 p.m. It'll be live-streamed via Zoom. As of Friday, the city has installed three new electric vehicle charging stations in Juneau. The stations can be found at Basin Road, the 8th Street parking lot, the Twin Lakes parking lot, and the Harris Harbor parking lot. Each site has two chargers installed and is open for public use. City Parks and Rec and Docks and Harbors ask that the community adheres to the two-hour maximum time limit for charging vehicles. A hiker was rescued Friday after not returning home from a hike up Mount Roberts and Sheep Mountain Thursday afternoon. On Friday of last week, Alaska Wildlife Troopers received a report that Connor Beckman of Nevada had not returned home from a hike up Mount Roberts and Sheep Mountain Thursday afternoon. According to the trooper dispatch, Beckman was not prepared to overnight in the field and had no food or water. Juno Mountain Rescue and Sea Dogs were mobilized along with concerned family and friends who began searching the trail system. The U.S. Coast Guard sent a helicopter from Sitka Station who flew the area, but weather prevented effective aerial searching. At about 2.05 in the afternoon Friday, Beckman walked out to the trailhead where he was met by searchers. He had unexpectedly spent the night on Sheep Mountain after a weather system moved in while he was on the mountain and prevented him from finding the way down due to dense fog. The weather system also brought strong wind and rain, so Beckman made a rock wind break and dug into the rocks for shelter for the night. In the morning, he resumed looking for the trail back down, which he eventually did. He walked in the dense fog not knowing where the trail he found would lead. He eventually found his way to the trailhead. Beckman reported no injuries. The Coast Guard medically evacuated a woman from the container ship CMA-CMG, Georgia, about 100 nautical miles south of Kodiak over the weekend. Watchstanders at the Coast Guard 17th District Command Center received the initial request for assistance on Friday at about 11.41 a.m. from a vessel crew member reporting that the 36-year-old woman was experiencing chest pain. A helicopter aircrew out of Air Station Kodiak hoisted and transported the patient from the vessel to awaiting emergency services at the air station. After the air crew safely transported the patient to Kodiak, emergency medical services took her to Providence Kodiak Island Medical Center to receive a higher level of medical care. 
Alaska Airlines is airport customer service agents, ground service, and other related staff who are represented by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers have ratified a two-year contract extension with the airline. The contract passed and includes increased pay with market reviews to ensure wage rates stay competitive, as well as increases in longevity pay. Alaska's airport customer service agents, stores, cargo, ground service, and reservation agents are responsible for assisting guests with upcoming and day of travel, managing aircraft material and parts, loading cargo, and readying aircraft for departures and arrivals. Gubernatorial candidate and Alaska Representative Christopher Kirka, along with Lieutenant Governor candidate Paul Huper, sat down for an interview last week with the Alaska Landmine. Kirka said this was his main reason for running. I have an oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States and the state of Alaska, as do all lawmakers. And so does the governor. And over the last two years, and it's, it's more than the last two years, but it's like on steroids the last two years, we've seen the Constitution just thrown out. It's totally ignored. And, uh, and we just become lawless. And we have to have the rule of law back in state government. We have to have a governor who is more concerned with following the law, following the Constitution, than he is with his own shadow. There was early excitement over Dunleavy's win, Kirkus said, but then the governor failed to fulfill campaign promises to Alaskans, he added. When Dunleavy ran, we're excited about some of his promises, and when I ran for House, we ran on a similar platform, a conservative platform of cutting state government. It's incredibly huge. Um, standing up for the full statutory dividend following the law, uh, protecting the preborn, a lot of a whole host of... of mainstream Republican values that, that the governor ran on. And when he got into office, he started doing some of those things. But pretty quickly, he ran into opposition, and he forgot that in politics, you know, you, you work across the aisle as much as you can, but when it comes down to it, you have an obligation to fulfill the campaign promises that you ran on. That's what you're fighting for, and he forgot about that. Kirka said Dunleavy's actions during the pandemic came up short in his view. Huber spoke about the potential for a constitutional convention and why he supports the idea. I feel we would have to wait another 10 years if we passed up this opportunity for a constitutional convention. A lot of my conservative friends are like, we can't take a risk on what could happen on that. But my point is, we can't take a risk and let another 10 years go by, allowing especially the judicial branch, allowing them to continue to guard the henhouse. The audio comes courtesy of Jeff Landfield at the Alaska Landmine. Washington State Ferries will receive $38 million from the Federal Highway Administration to improve its ferry service. Eight other Washington ferry providers, including the King County Department of Transportation, will receive around $4 million in federal money. That means $42.4 million for the state. A total of $172 million will be distributed across the nation to improve ferry service, making the first major release of money since the passage of the bipartisan infrastructure law. Out of the 35 states and three territories receiving federal money for ferries, Washington will get the biggest allocation followed by Alaska with $36 million. The beer industry is facing a nationwide carbon dioxide shortage, and the situation is serious because CO2 is a key ingredient in beer production. ABC's Derek Dennis reports. 
A shortage of suds. That's what breweries are predicting in the weeks ahead, not because beer is in short supply, but because the carbon dioxide gas used to make beer, the foam, the shelf life, the production and packaging, even the taps at your local pub all come from CO2. A Mississippi supplier of the vital gas shut down in July, leaving breweries in a bind with shipping delays. Major companies have the technology to siphon off the gas during the fermentation process, but many craft breweries don't. And experts say the fallout could be less beer kegs to go around. Derek Dennis, ABC News. However, Alaska Brewing Company isn't facing a shortage at all. The company reclaimed CO2 during the brick brewing process, according to Quality Assurance and Engineering Manager Dave Martin. Since, uh, since 1998, we've been reclaiming our own CO2. Now, CO2 is a naturally occurring gas that the yeast produces during fermentation. So, you know, they're consuming the sugars, creating alcohol, and also gassing off CO2. And so instead of just letting that go off into the atmosphere, we're collecting all of that CO2. Uh, we clean it. We purge uh, all the in- contaminants out of that. And then uh, we store it. And we're able to reuse that to carbonate our, our products, use it in, uh, with pieces of equipment that require um, counterpressure, um, pushing beer through lines, etc. And so all of our uh, CO2 usage since 1998 has been from our own produced fermented CO2. Martin says using nitrogen helps out as well. One other area uh, that has helped us reduce our CO2 usage, not just in reclaiming our own CO2, but we've also in, uh, introduced a nitrogen generator. So a lot of the areas of the plant where we used CO2 just as a a purge gas or a gas to push beer through lines, a lot of that has been replaced with nitrogen, which is inert, and so we no longer need to use as much CO2. Alaskan Brewing Company's Dave Martin. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.